0: Do you um, you ever smoke cigarettes, like, when you're drunk?
1: Sometimes, yeah. I smoke cigars, actually, more. I smoke a cigar a day.
0: You have one right there next to your desk?
1: Yeah. Do you smoke a cigar every day? I smoke one cigar every day, yeah. Are you fucking serious? No, I'm being dead serious. Why? Uh, It calms me down. I have a cigar and I have a glass of uh, an old-fashioned. Every day, every night. Jesus. You should not do that. Well, and then, but the thing is, is I smoke the cigar. I have the I have the old fashioned, and I drink four beers. It's <gasps> <good. laughs>
0: no, no, you don't understand. I drink four <laughs> beers afterwards, <laughs> and I
1: fall asleep with the lights on. It's fine. We made it for you, a podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. Hey guys. Parker going pee pee right now. So I'm just here by myself. And I uh, just wanna tell you that we're uh, we're recording an episode today about The Outsiders. We're talking about The Outsiders, the Francis Ford Coppola film. And I don't know why I'm whispering actually. Parker's not in the room, he's going pee. But uh, today we're talking about The Outsiders. And I'm here by myself, so it kind of feels weird to speak uh, professionally. But uh, if you're just joining us today, my name is Steven. My co-host is Parker. Uh, this is a podcast called We Made It For You, a podcast about Tom Cruise. We made this top uh, We made this God damn it. I almost said Tomcast. We made this podcast specifically for Tom Cruise. So if you're listening and you're not Tom Cruise, just know the podcast is not for you. Um, but you're welcome to hang around and listen. And we're going to be talking all things Tom. And we're going to be talking all things Francis Ford Coppola. We're going to be talking all things The Outsiders. And I'm going to be doing most of the talking. Um, I'm infinitely smarter, infinitely uh, funnier, infinitely more handsome, infinitely more athletic, infinitely more, um, I don't know, infinitely a lot of things more than Parker. And so that's why I'll be kind of doing most of everything, basically. I do mo- I, I do most of everything involved with the podcast too. I record everything on my own. Oh wait, he's going. Shh, 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 shh. Okay, how's it going? Good, good, good. I um I got the intro, but I didn't do an outro. I got the intro for Outsiders, but I didn't get a good outro.
0: Did you address it to Tom? Yeah, of course. Okay. I feel like I'm, I want to stop drinking beer. I, so I feel like I get, uh, well, I don't feel like I do. I get like danger under front of my beard.
1: When you drink beer?
0: I think that drinking beer exacerbates that. I think it's. it might also be because like when I drink beer heavily, I don't like take care of myself.
1: Yeah, that's literally it.
0: But I also think, no, it's probably the beer.
1: I think you don't take care of your face and your beard and stuff.
0: I do. I I, I mean, I shower every day and I wash my face and I lotion it up. Okay. But I think... I believe you. Yeah, but I think on the days where I don't, if I I drink hard two nights in a row, 20, 30 beers, then my face, you know, gets crazy.
1: 20, 30 beers? I don't know why. That really got me. It's just like the absolute dumbest number. (laughs) What's the most amount of beer you ever drank in a single night? Most amount of beer I ever drank in a single night. Ooh. Beer? Beer? I don't know. Um, Probably, like, around 10 or just north of 10, I would say. Yeah. Don't you think so? Like, I don't think it's ever been much more than that. Like, I don't think I've... Like, tr- like beers. Like, I don't think I've probably ever had more than... I don't think I've ever had more than 12. I think... And that seems maybe insane, but... Right. Don't you think so? You think you've had more than that?
0: Well, in that time that uh, I think we had both watched... Uh, 15, 17 to Paris at the same
1: time. Oh, like like we did a thing where you were in Austin and I was in New York?
0: Sam was out of town and I watched it and we just talking about how fucking crazy that movie is. Yeah. And I bought an 18 pack of PBR on the way home. And I think I watched all three of the uh, Oceans movies.
1: And just crushed an 18 pack?
0: 17. 17 PBRs.
1: Oh, so you had one left over the next yeah. day and you were like, can't wait to so, finish that one.
0: self so straight. <laughs>
1: It was, oh, terrible. Yeah, it's a lot, though. It's a lot, but if you really think about it, like, is it? Well, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> no, if you really think about it, though, like, you know, I can go through, if I really wanted to, like, I can pretty easily go through a six pack.
0: Well, yeah, but not a, too hard. It's like, it's like eating like three loaves of bread.
1: Yeah. That's why I'm trying to f- get f- more physically fit, you know, try to take care of myself. I mean, I get a six pack of beer sometimes, and I'll sit down and watch a movie. And I may drink on just like a regular old ass night on my own and drink like four of them. That's no good, you know. I mean, how else are you gonna? How else, dude? How else are you gonna pass the time?
0: <laughs> Tell a story of. No, uh, oh, it's sad. It's sad.
1: What? What were you gonna? What were you just looking at? And what were you saying? I was that... trying to
0: remember when uh, St. Patrick's Day was.
1: Oh, it's not now. No, it's, it's not definitely... in. It's not in July. <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you like looked over at a calendar that I can't see and we're like, is it? And then you were like, immediately was yeah. like, no, I'm dumb as hell, it's not. I think it's the funniest
0: story. Freshman year of college, like I was like, I always felt like I really wanted to be your friend. I, I could like, you know, I hear you talking to your other friends and I knew like, yeah, that's that guy and I would get along great. And I, it was St. Patrick's Day and I had the bottle of Maker's Mark in my room and I had a poster for the fighter and I knew that you liked a fighter and I was like, I remember seeing you in the hallway with the other friends and going up to the lobby and like, hey guys, I have a bottle of Maker's Mark in my room. Do you want to come upstairs? And you go, mm, no, I'm really looking for beer. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was so excited to show you my poster for The Fighter. I was yeah, like- Yeah, because you
1: got it from the movie theater, right? You were working at the movie theater yeah. at, the, at the time. How yeah. early did you start work, working there? You were working oh, there in freshman year? In oh, high in school. high school. So you'd been there for a long time. Yeah, right? my first day was September 11th. Wow, and you worked your way up to Mr. Manager.
0: Hmm. Well,
1: that's cool I never yeah. made it that far but I had a man on the inside so things worked out for me pretty good yeah I would say Uh, yeah no I mean look dude there was nothing against you in that moment I just purely wanted to drink beer <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't in the mood to have some whiskey it was just kind of feeling. I was just feeling kind of. It was sort of a beer, beer vibe for me that day. I mean, I didn't like hard alcohol. I was like, you know, yeah. It took me a long time as a as a as a, an adult human. know.
0: Like when, when we moved to Austin? I think you were like, "Wow, we're drinking a lot." I think you were kind of caught off guard by the no by, well, by, the, by the regular consumption of alcohol. Maybe the
1: regular consumption. I mean, because yeah,
0: it I was like every day.
1: Drank a lot in college toward the end especially but yeah. uh as one does you know but uh yeah we were you and i were more like every it was more every day we'd we'd walk to the gas station like a couple of greasers oh man perhaps and uh you know it's funny pick up some beers
0: good tradition Uh um, yeah if you had told me like in 1983 there was a new movie coming oh no i guess it's hindsight But, like, on paper, there's a movie made by a guy who's made four of the best films of the best decade of American cinema, starring, like, a who's who of, like, the It Boys for the next 20 years. Right, right. I would think, like, yeah, that's going to be the best movie ever. Yeah. And this movie is not the best best movie movie, ever. This movie kind of sucks.
1: I do like it. I'm more – I mean, you should have watched the – you fucked up. You should have watched the complete – Novel version or whatever. Do which, you think Tom has seen that version? Absolutely.
0: But you liked this version of the
1: movie. I think the the complete novel version is significantly better. Um, there's just more. There's an there's like the opening is more um, um, him writing him writing like a a, it's almost you know so fast to the Well you know what it is? You know what it is too? Is it's like American History X. It's the structure of American History X. Like he's and in the book in the book, I think this is not quite in the in the complete novel version of the movie. In the book, he is he is writing a paper for English class. And I guarantee they took that and put that straight into American History X, right? Like with the teacher and he's- Did you like, read these books? No, never read the book. Being never a Texan
0: slash Oklahoman like you no,
1: are? No, I never did. But my family did really like this movie for some reason. So, which I was th- I've been, I was honestly thinking about that when watching it. Like, I didn't watch this movie a ton when I was a kid, but I watched it a couple times and I always liked it. And I think it was like weirdly- I just have a memory of it being discussed and liked in my home in my house hold um and i, and I was trying and i was trying to think of like my mom really liked it and she liked it you know it's texas or whatever and she just like liked the movie i think but it's not it's tulsa oklahoma well, that's what i mean sorry tulsa i meant i was thinking t and and anyway yeah tulsa oklahoma and my mom you know is a um even though that's not in tulsa but she went to ou and uh Anyway, whatever. But I was, I was, or or I was curious if like my sisters watched it young and it was maybe on in the house a lot when they were younger when I was really really young or something and probably wasn't paying attention. But like, and if they were liking it because it's just like a who's who of beautiful boys. I mean, and I'll tell you what, if people thought the boys are beautiful in Taps, who the boys are beautiful in this such beautiful boys. Such yeah, I mean beautiful. that's
0: the thing is like it is like. You know, four-time best picture nominee and the most beautiful boys the world's ever seen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they're all
0: just getting fucking <gasps> greasy and they're wrestling.
1: Yeah, they're wrestling. I guess they. I guess they refer to this as the brat pack, which I didn't. Yeah. Really realize, I suppose, until looking looking into it. But There's a this- brat the
0: pack, and then there's a the brat pack, and then there was a the frat pack, which is a Luke Wilson, Will Ferrell kind of the old school oh, kind of crowd. Oh, yeah, that stuff. Okay.
1: Oh, that's funny. Wow, they got to dub somebody the fucking... Yeah. I'd like to be a part of a pack.
0: Scat pack. We could, could like, eat shit on the pod one day. I don't like that.
1: I'm going to think about this longer. We should think about this for a really long time in silence.
0: Okay. I'm going to take a second while you catch your breath to talk a little bit. I do notice in these edits, it's just, like, you fucking just going on 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 and on and on and on and on. And you talk in circles. And you, like, come back to your point. You just restate it again
1: yeah you know it's really funny my dad listened to the first episode and he said uh he said uh you gotta let parker talk and then he went oh never mind he's talking now or whatever like oh. as he as he got to like a oh that's talk, how he, he sounds he talked to <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he said you gotta let parker talk i mean i know i i definitely bogart the conversation i try not to and i, I know i just cut you off right now but
0: <laughs> uh... <laughs> so i read this book in sixth grade
1: oh you did okay And I remember watching it in
0: class and the teacher, when Francis Ford Coppola's name comes up, she goes, the director's name always comes last in the credits. Which is like opening credits, that is is the rule for opening credits.
1: Oh, in opening credits. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's like, well, I, you know, trying to like formulate an idea of who makes a movie. But.
1: Ah, so it was a formative moment for you in your film life.
0: Formative was when Patrick Swayze puts his shirt on one arm at a time and then pulls it over his head. That was that was formative for me. And I was like, wow, what's happening? How so? I just didn't know what to think anymore.
1: Dang, dude. People are going to have some kind of view on who you are when listening to this podcast. That, didn't, that,
0: didn't get, that, didn't like, that doesn't make you think maybe I'm not a heterosexual man. When he does the pommel horse like flip over thing, he like does a handstand and then turns 180.
1: I mean, look, there is nobody who's a bigger fan of Patrick Swayze than me. Well, two. besides me. Yeah, of course. No, two of my favorite movies of all time truly are Point Break and Roadhouse. Point Break, no, well, Point Break and Dirty Dancing. I fucking love oh. Dirty Dancing. Absolutely. Those are
0: the first two Blu rays I ever bought are Point Break and Roadhouse.
1: Sick, sick as fuck movies. But, um, but they are movies about how like those both those movies actually point break and dirty dancing are just movies about how beautiful patrick swayze is basically but uh you know yeah i mean i get what you're saying of course i understand what you're saying but but uh not nah, i'm as hetero as they come brother and people say that about me
0: and we told the story about the time that you fell asleep on top of me in this podcast yet <laughs> yeah
1: i think we did i can't we did at some what episode was that on? Oh, uh, probably about un-losing oh, it. Somehow it was related to virginity oh, stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. This is we should not release any of these episodes. We should just cancel it now.
1: No, we're getting we're getting likes, dude. We're getting follows. Big time. Yeah, but I remember fast forwarding eighth
0: grade, the teacher in my English class was reading out loud The Outsiders. Mm. And she kept saying Soshes, she would say socks instead. They spelled S O C S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just was driving me fucking nuts because I knew better than her and I was smarter than her.
1: Damn. And and who was, what's the teacher's name? Miss Brown, around. if you're listening to this. Put her on blast, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Miss Brown. How old was she? Uh, how is she now? How old was she then? And how old is she now? Probably like 60
0: then. Probably like 67, 68 <laughs> now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how much time? do you think has passed since what years (laughs) since what grade since what grade grade.
0: (laughs) oh man so dumb what's your first thought when you see Emilio Estevez
1: uh my first thought when I see him is probably Emilio yeah Emilio Estevez
0: the mighty duck man
1: the mighty duck man himself I can't help it yeah that's that's probably my first thought Yeah. yeah It's just in just burned into my brain. Um It is, I
0: mean, uh, watching the credits and I see *Karma* and Coppola pop up his original score by Carmine and Coppola. And I just couldn't help but think about the nepotism that goes on with Coppola's. In the
1: Coppola family. Well, well, dude, he did, a, he did music for like tons like all of Coppola, or like a lot of Coppola's movies. You
0: see that he replaced the music for the 205? Yeah, which
1: which is crazy. He was like, because the score was very romantic and sort of over the top and melodramatic, order, which the movie is too, I think. But but yeah, I guess Coppola didn't have, at the time, didn't have the heart to be like, Dad, it's a little too much maybe. Yeah. So he, so he, yeah, replaced it a little bit. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I mean, so I saw, I saw the complete novel cut, like a re-release of it or, or like a, it was like a new restoration of it that I saw at the, telluride film festival and coppola was there and matt dylan came on stage and they talked about it a little bit and that was really fun um i wish i had like memory of what the fuck they said during the during the thing i feel like i might have recorded it and i f- forgot to look before so let's we just, started let's just run
0: uh, down a list of these boys real fast all these beautiful boys and who's in this fucking movie and give their fucking and the names the names are incredible I you know that that's all i see hitting And she
1: wrote this book when she was like 15 or 16. When she like started writing the book. And I think she basically like finished it when she was 18 years old, which is insane. And I mean, that's just incredible, you know, that she could, that she did something like that.
0: You got C. Thomas Howell playing Ponyboy
1: Curtis. Which um, was this, this was before or after E.T.? Because you remember he's one of the, one of the like best older boy, like best boys who rides the bikes. They all ride the bikes at the end and like escape from the FBI and shit. It's great. And he's got a great look to him in that, in that movie. And he's got a great look here.
0: Nice. C. Thomas Howell as Ponyboy Curtis. You got Matt Dillon as Dallas Winston, to call him Dally for short. Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid himself. In a, in a movie of great names, he has like one of the only like regular names, but it's still a great name. Johnny Cade. Must be Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. But,
1: uh, Wait, which one's Johnny Cade? Ralph Macchio. John Johnny oh do oh, it for Johnny. oh Johnny 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 yeah, yeah. I, the Cade last name threw me off oh yeah his his name as a character right right, right.
0: Patrick Swayze my fucking the boy of all boys I would say
1: well is, I feel like let's don't say that dude this is the Tom Cruise not Tom is
0: so. in this but Tom became a man and Patrick Swayze never did I don't think he he, he remained a late mid twenties boy for the best part of his career
1: interesting I don't know if I agree with you no, right? I don't I, I don't think know. he was he's twenty nine he's twenty nine in
0: this movie yeah. But like he didn't, yeah, you know, crazy. he didn't. Uh, like the last relevant movie he was in was probably Donnie Darko.
1: Yeah, interesting, very interesting. Yeah, he had an interesting end of his career, and he died so young, or not, you know. Well, so he did die so young. I mean, he really did. Rob oh, Lowe is
0: Soda Pop Curtis, the older brother of yep, Pony Soda Boy Pop. Curtis.
1: Soda
0: Pop. Rob Lowe is barely in this movie, but you can tell it's. Apparently, he has well, deleted scenes. He has.
1: He has more in the complete cut, and so does uh, Swayze. Swayze I mean that's the thing that's what's that's the real meat of what's cut out of the of the like du- you yeah. know director's cut um is and that seems important like
0: that's the whole family. oh absolutely it,
1: absolutely it, it just adds so much more emotion to their to their relationship as brothers and then more you know as like as like this this makeshift family with their parents gone yeah and um and all that kind of stuff and like you know I mean they become the they become right the the father and and the mother right I mean even in the even in the stuff in the theatrical cut, the original cut, like you get that like yeah the dad the dad's angry with him, pushes him down and and Roblo soda pop is like breastfeeds him well, it's just nurturing to him and whatever, but there's so much more of that and it's, it's just so much better in the you know director cut
0: Emilio I the Mighty Duckman plays two bit Matthews. yeah two bit a role that apparently was offered to Nicolas Cage another Coppola. Oh. And he turned it down because he wanted the bigger part. Oh, interesting. He wanted the, either the Daryl or the Dallas part, the Bad Dylan or the Swayze parts. Oh,
1: horrible. No, he. Yeah. I wouldn't want Nick Cage to be in that at all. Has Cage been in any Coppola films? Uh, yeah.
0: Peggy Sue Got Married?
1: Uh, yes. He's in Peggy Sue Got Married. He's got to have a small part in something else, too. Speaking of, did you see, uh, did you spot Sophia in the movie? Oh, yeah.
0: Like, where they're at a, they're at a, Dairy Queen and the ugliest kids in the world walk up, and I go, "Wow, they must have cast real Oklahomans." And no, it's actually just Sofia Coppola.
1: Come on, brother, you can't be saying that.
0: What you want to take it again? No, who is it? Who's, who's in the movie?
1: No, it's just Sophia Coppola, dude, and she looks stunningly beautiful. At she's like 11 years old. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wow, we have too many bits about uh, young people looking beautiful. We got to get to some sure adult we... movies pretty soon. We got to make sure we cut that. This off. is actually interesting. Um, this
0: is the last non-starring role Tom would have until Magnolia. For like 16 years, he does not play anything but the lead boy.
1: But the lead, yeah. Wow,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, Leaf Garrett, who you know means nothing to us, but I'm. I think of a time though he was the biggest star of the whole movie. He's playing one of the socias. Tom Waits isn't it as Buck Merrill?
1: Oh yeah, of course. He owns that bar. He, there's a little bit more of Tom Waits I think if I remember correctly in the I fucking ought to be. Coppola loves Tom Waits. Absolutely. It's it's uh, I guess everybody loves Tom Waits. I mean, I love Tom Waits too, but but Coppola put him in I mean, it was this, it was Dracula. I feel like there's a couple other things. He's in Dracula? Maybe. Yeah, he plays um the little little like sidekick. Drag Drag Dracula's little bitch boy sidekick. You know, they just made a whole movie out of it with Nick Cage and fucking about a boy. Nicholas Holt. Renfield. Renfield, yeah. Jesus. Tom Tom Waits is, yeah, that took a long time. I tried there, watching I that got movie there.
0: recently and I oh, yeah. could not
1: never, get into it. I'll never, never watch it. Absolutely not.
0: I could not get into it. And I was even like that watching this movie and like Coppola and just sort of wondering why he does
1: the things he does. Um, but Why Coppola does the same things he does? Yes. Coppola had no part in the movie Renfield. Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. At Dracula's an all-time masterpiece. I couldn't get into it. What you tried watching Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yeah. I thought you were talking about you tried watching Renfield. Oh, you're insane. That's the worst take I've ever heard in my entire life. Really? You couldn't get into... Yes, quite literally. That is one of the most like gorgeous-looking movies I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. That's crazy! Holy shit, dude! Podcast canceled. That's honestly a relief. Yeah, I know. Um, that's crazy. I can't wait for people to hear you talk say that. You are gonna get eaten alive in the comments, dude. And we are getting tons of comments on all of our posts and videos. Jordan, Jordan Hughes, let's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jordan.
0: Uh, no, okay, and then of course, into the fucking list: Tom Cruise of Steve Randall. Yeah. And I would say, honestly, without, and I'm not just saying this because it's a Tom Cruise podcast, I think he's the most convincing one of the bunch. To me, if I didn't know any better while I was watching this film, I would think, well, they got a real, good, talented Oklahoman in this movie, and he's playing this kid, Steve Randall, who's just like, he's kind of the white trashiest. He felt the most convincingly white trash. Like he had, like picked something up when he was living in Kentucky or something like that. like.
1: E- yeah, I get that what you're saying. I mean, because the rest of them
0: look like fucking. Honestly, the rest of them look like models, and he's he's like the ugliest
1: one. Well, you just don't really ever see him in like. He's eating chocolate cake for breakfast. He's eating chocolate cake. He's got cake all over his face. That's stuff's really good. Which 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 there's that great little tidbit of of story where I don't know if we're jumping ahead, but where he, where they were shot at like a they shot like a hundred takes of him eating that chocolate cake over like a, over like a couple days, and he basically just felt sick and then he, he was like had to do he was you know he had, he would really wanted to do that backflip I think he brought that to Coppola he really just wanted to do a backflip because he was just like you know he would be in Tom Cruise and he was like I want to do something that stands out so he did this backflip off the car right but I guess he went to I think he went to one of the producers or something and was like S.E. Hinton oh was it S.E. Hinton and yeah he was saying like, I, again? I got this I'm doing this backflip so say again. again no it's fine no, no. I don't care no be- it's fine you
0: think it's like it's only your idea like you're the smart guy
1: I don't care, um um just i uh, don't don't care about it um and yeah, and hes and anyway, they were like, You should throw up or whatever, <laughs> so he vom- just vomited up a bunch of chocolate cake and then felt good to go.
0: okay, well, you missed the cool part of the story. They went to the fucking uh craft services truck, and he ate raw eggs until he threw up.
1: oh, that's right, that's right, that is the cool that is the cool part of the story, You're sorry dude. fucking idiot. You know what another note my dad said? We say F word too much. Really? He said, uh, the F word uh, takes away from your gravitas or something. Like He just basically was saying, it makes us not sound like serious people. And I was like, fuck you, dad. Fuck you.
0: Honestly, the last thing I ever want to be is like a serious
1: person. I'd like to be a serious person.
0: And I genuinely mean that. Like, I don't think that like... a ser- You ever seen a serious man? I don't think he's having a good time.
1: Uh, it's funny. I don't know. I was... Um, I think this will be a kind of a hard one to talk about because, yeah, I don't love the I don't love the movie that much. There is a lot of stuff that I do like out it, and I think I I like the other performances more than you do. It seems like I mean I think that there's I like the
0: performance. No, they're all great, but I do think Tom is legitimately the best.
1: He 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 is the one that reads the most as as the rest of them look like Hollywood dudes who came to
0: Oklahoma and like picked up the accent for a minute.
1: But I do think there's something. That like somehow that works for the movie because the movie is this like over the top melodrama. Like obviously there's the Gone with the Wind reference and there's Dude. literally shots. The shots that just have this like technicolor glamour, like the, the pink sunsets. and
0: These exteriors are like clearly shot in a soundstage as a visual reference to Gone with the Wind, which is what reminded me of Bram Stoker's Dracula, where he like, I was like, I want to shoot these things as if they were really done in like 1870, whatever.
1: Well, okay, that's not how that went, but yeah, he, he, yes, he, he's using these like crazy practical effect. I mean, I mean, he perfects probably what he's going for in this in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and actually, I mean, he really perfected it. I think what's funny, I always think the problem with the movie is so, so. Let's we'll talk about the mo- Francis Ford Coppola had was coming off of One from the Heart, which was his like first, I think, full on production with Zoetrope Studios that like he. F- funded all through Zoetrope.
0: What happened before those movies? Before that movie? What was before that? He's coming off of, specifically, Godfather 1, The Conversation, Godfather 2, Apocalypse Now. Four of the greatest movies ever made. If you make one of those movies, you're like an all-time stud. He made all four.
1: Exactly. So he's... And he made Jack. Well, yeah, Jack's great. Well, and then when is... um, Actually, when is Cotton Club in this whole It's After this. Oh, it is. Okay. But
0: anyway, okay. so you're talking about zoetrope. Oh, yeah, you're
1: right. Well, so yeah. So I was just saying because I think something that's interesting about this movie and then even like Dracula later and I mean, Cotton Club is actually kind of a masterpiece. But um, you know what? Have you seen one from the heart? No. Oh, man. It's insane and and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And... um that is really he's pushing the style like all the way and he's just cranking it up and it's like all these sets and it just looks like you know there's no there's no real like reality to it but there's a i think coppola would probably say there's a sort of like a there's a truthfulness in the in the artifice right like that's kind of what he's going for a little bit and that's what he's that's what i think he's thinking about and um and he really pushes that all the way with one from the heart. And I think that one was such a failure. And he like critically and financially, he talks about how he, they put it out like a week in like a limited release, basically for a week. And it did really poorly in limited release. So he took it out of the limited release himself thinking that um, like then he could, just, he could leave it out. And then when it finally went wide, he, you know, like basically, like he was like, um, ah, oh, fuck the limited. We'll just go wide later. But basically, when he took it out of out of limited, it took it out forever. And he and and they didn't release it back until they like released it on home video. Um, are you looking up if I'm correct no. about what I'm saying? No. Okay. But uh, anyway, and so the movie that that movie made like six hundred thousand dollars, and it was like a, I think it was like a twenty million dollar movie. And he self financed like it. Yeah, it's all zoetrope. Fucking idiot.
0: I mean, if I understand, like everything I heard about zoetrope is they were like always on the verge of financial collapse.
1: Well, he was in bankruptcy, so he was in bankruptcy, and then he gets this letter. He gets this letter from a school, a school librarian at a school in San Fresno, California, but it's called like Lone Star Elementary. Weirdly enough, which I don't understand that, but but um, he, this librarian says that she was reading this book to her students. They felt like it was ripe for a movie being made, and they wrote him a letter. And they all voted and thought Francis, which I don't understand. All these elementary school kids are like, "I vote Francis Ford Coppola to make The Outsiders."
0: Well, they literally chose the best director at, at that time on planet Earth.
1: I guess that's true. He's probably the most well-known director in the time. Yeah, I mean, anyway, at so, the time,
0: like of the like, you know, Scorsese and Spielberg. In the long run, they were better, obviously. But I do think yeah, like, yeah, at the yeah, time so. he was. Yeah. I think about it all the time. Like, there's nobody. Four there's nobody Jesus. ever on yeah. earth who's been as good as Coppola in the seventies,
1: right? I know you've been saying it as for as long as I've known you. It's not like it's a hot take or anything. <laughs> no, I know. Um, but uh, but uh, so whatever. He gets this letter, and I guess he sees it as kind of a sign. And it is kind of beautiful. There's a poetry to it, where like the the sort of theme of the movie, you know, is like this: stay golden. It's like keep keep your Keep your childhood, like innocence and pure, you know, just beauty and wonder at the world. Keep it with you as much as possible. And so, there's something that I'm sure Coppola found some poetry and was like, "Oh, this has to be my next movie for for that very reason." Like I'm trying, I'm trying to hold on to that, you know. You know, I'm trying to stay gold. Anyway, he may- he reads the book and he decides to make the movie, but he definitely is like he needs a he feels like he needs a win after after One from the Heart. But my point was about the style thing, that was really what I was going for with, was um, I think the movie, he he feels like he's a little afraid after the failure of One from the Heart. And like he wants to make a movie like slightly straight down, you know, straight down the line. But then also he's got like this heightened, a little bit of a heightened sense of, of style and melodrama. And I think that's what makes the movie not totally work for me and I think the movie would be better if it was a lot more heightened and stylistic. And I think but I think part of part of me, I mean this is pure just conjecture, is I think that he was afraid to push it that far cuz he knew he knew audiences weren't ready for it.
0: I think it'd be better if it was like more down low and dirty and like less melodramatic and more
1: But then that's just like that's just like West Side Story. I mean, I mean, West Side Story is not down, low, and dirty. It's obviously a musical, but like. What's that? I'm a, uh, the Wanderers, the Philip Kaufman movie. That's what you're talking
0: no, about? No, of course I'm talking about Philip Kaufman's The Wanderers, even though I love it. You're an
1: idiot. You know what I'm talking about, though. You know what movie that is, Yeah, right? Philip Kaufman's The Wanderers. Do you know who Philip Kaufman is? Yeah. What is he directed? The Wanderers. What, what else?
0: Philip Kaufman? Oh, he- <laughs> Philip Kaufman?
1: You're typing. Let's see. What's, right, what's he got? The right what's he stuff? Up with? He, the right stuff? Oh, yeah. He was
0: like a Chicago born maverick who was typing a wire to Project's <laughs> assistant <laughs> intelligent style.
1: You're an idiot. Come on. He does the 70s body snatchers. Yeah, dude. Yes. Mm,
0: I love 70s body snatchers.
1: <laughs> okay, whatever. I think he wrote a lot of screenplays too. I think he wrote the story for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right? He like he's like one of the screenwriters for Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm not saying I know his whole body of work, but I, I mean the the '70s Body Snatchers and the right stuff are all very good.
0: No, but I was thinking like like uh, like more like Mean Streets.
1: Yeah, but that's just not his style. That's not his style. And and he already. I think the thing about him is he is continually pushing himself in, in a way. I mean, obviously other filmmakers are too, but like, I think he he probably didn't want to do something like that because he didn't want to feel like he was, I mean, it's obviously a different story or whatever, but he didn't want to feel like he was doing like, you know, gritty Godfather kind of thing, which is just like real, very realistic in, in a lot of ways, right? Do you think the Godfather is gritty? I mean- it's operatic. It's, it's operatic, sure, but it, its style and stuff feels like, down to earth and real, in my opinion. I mean, in a lot of ways, like it's not like, it's not like, th- it's not like this. It's not like one from the heart. It's not, you know, it's not. I don't know. It's tough, tough to say. So what's this,
0: what's this movie about?
1: Yeah, why don't you, why don't you do that? That'll be where you get most of your talking is. <laughs> you
0: I just like set you up for slam dunks that you Ooh. miss. You fucking idiot.
1: Um. For Tom, for Tom at home, Tom's listening. He's going, Dang, what the heck is this movie about? I can't fucking remember. 1965.
0: Take yourself back to Tulsa, Oklahoma.
1: Yep, yep, yep. There's the Grease. We greasers. all know that time and place. There's the we Greasers there.
0: Named such because they're uh they have grease in their hair.
1: And then there's They got grease in their hair and they're greasy. They're working on cars, they're working at gas stations. They're uh, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Uh and then there's this They're late working class kids. On the wrong side of the train tracks, and on the other side of the train tracks, there are
0: the socials, the socialites, the rich kids. They drive mustangs and Corvettes and tough cars like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and uh, they don't get along, obviously. Which I like. I just think like if you're a rich Soch and you're like, yeah, let's go beat up the poor kids. It's just obviously that happens, but it's like I like. I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, the movie's really only like. So there are these socs and they go around beating up kids. And uh, one night, they Leaf Garrett's leader of the socs and they turn their sights on. Um well, I'm, I'm skipping a bunch of stuff because I don't think the movie has that much story.
1: Well, there's more to it. So in the opening scenes too, in the in the completed novel version, Ponyboy gets followed by the socs and they try. They start to beat up on him, and then the the um, greasers come in and like chase him off right
0: and that's alluded to that's alluded to in this version he was beaten up by a guy with rings leave Garrett's wearing rings so basically they go to a drive-in movie theater in one of the first scenes and uh, Ponyboy and uh, Johnny Cade are sitting there talking to Sherry Valance Diane Lane she has red hair Sherry right Sherry what'd you say they, they, I think it's Sherry but they call her Cherry because of her hair they say, that's literally a line in the movie you fucking idiot yeah,
1: and so Diane Lane, stunning. Matt Dillon stunning comes dude. up and starts
0: asking her if the carpet matches the drapes, which right, you know, that's pretty it probably funny. does, but didn't, he doesn't need to ask that.
1: I didn't know that was a phrase at that time. Matt Dillon's being
0: a dickhead, and he runs off, and then the Johnny Cade and Ponyboy Curtis escort Cherry Valance out of the drive-in theater, where they are confronted by the Socs, her boyfriend. I believe her boyfriend you think it's a boyfriend or uh
1: technically yeah. it's someone she's going steady with he tried to gr- he tries to grope her right he tries to grow that's when you first you actually first meet her where she gets out of the car and he's going come on Cherry." oh is that her yeah you dumbass um and she and she's like and she's like come on everyone's doing it because like the girl up front whatever or something like that, you know it's like i was just you know blah blah blah, blah, blah. and she gets pissed because he basically, you know, tried to cop a feel or some something like that. Which is,
0: everybody's doing it. So I wonder what he was talking about.
1: He's trying to cop a feel. Or he's trying to finger blast. You think it was finger blasting specifically? Cop a feel or finger blast. I think either one of those. Yeah. Well, I, there's one begets the other, I think. You don't just start. What do you mean one begets the other? What's begets mean?
0: Everyone knows first base is copying <laughs> a feel. Okay. Second base is finger blasting. You think so? No, I don't think so.
1: The base has changed significantly over the years. And in 1960... 1960- what, what are the bases to you right now?
0: Oh, I forgot to ask you, how was your date last time? On top of losing it, you were on a date
1: that night. How was your date? Oh, it was pretty solid. It was okay. Yeah? Yeah, it was fine. It was just, like, fine. Did you we get your first base? This. No, I didn't get to any basis. It was just a nice regular old date. We just chatted, got to know each yeah. other.
0: Are you gonna see her again?
1: I don't know. We haven't really talked much. I mean I've been frankly very busy with the uh with this. have just been Did you tell her about the pod? I don't think on the date, no. I don't think you should. I don't really want to tell people about the pod on the date. It does seem I don't really want to I don't want to tell people about the pod, period. I like telling people in life, but well it's okay. It's not, I don't like telling people but but uh but on a date it seems like so what's going on with you and I'm like I'm making a podcast my Tom cruise and that just seems yeah, it's a red flag that's a huge red flag yeah
0: yeah so so what are the what are the bases then I mean first base is is um kissing
1: first base kissing making first gate first base kissing making out I guess right
0: second base is S-
1: second base is hands hand stuff on on, on everywhere. Yes,
0: so that means a copying a feel on a boob. Cop
1: feel, H-J, finger blast. Okay.
0: And then obviously third base name would be oral.
1: Oral stuff, yeah, mouth stuff.
0: Do, doing the oral. Yeah. And then fourth base, home run.
1: Yeah, fourth base. That's what they call it in baseball. This is the worst. This is the worst pod we've done. I think it is worse and worse. No, you think so? Yeah. I think they're supposed to get better and better. I know. You, you really, that's what
0: you hope for.
1: Well, I will say, I mean, let's just speak on it. Let's speak on it, dude. I will say this is a, this is a weird one because it's, it's like we went from maybe a not so great movie. Although a movie that you and I both liked. I appreciate I losing it more than this. Of, that's kind of nuts, but I get losing what you're saying, I was
0: more like gripped by the insanity. And this, I was just sure. like, the melodrama was not working for me. Now, yeah. the boys in this are phenomenal.
1: Yeah, the boys in this are phenomenal. But I, I was just going to say, I do think it, this is a weird one because Tom is like, I mean, this is as small as a role as he's had since Endless Love. Yeah. I mean, it's like, he, at least in the theatrical cut, he probably does take up maybe four. only a minute or two more of time. Four minutes, I mean, like, maybe the most. On uh, screen, I don't know. maybe I mean, four minutes. And he's got some great stuff. I mean, he's got some great. Um, obviously, the flip is fun. The chocolate cake is really great when he's eating all the chocolate cake and then, like, that, he gets, like, a kind of a close up with all the cake in but his then mouth. The chocolate
0: cake is that next scene in the middle of us, Two Bit Matthews is eating chocolate cake and drinking beer for breakfast. It's better. It's like that. He has the better chocolate cake scene.
1: Right. It's right. It's not as good. It's bet. Yeah. It's his just big hunk of cake is not as good. I mean,. There's honestly, I think Tom was just trying really hard on this one. He was really like, I'm going to do a lot for Coppola. Like he really wanted to work with Coppola. I think he tells a story that basically he was living in New York, right? And that's when he was getting, he had this manager and that's, or the agent and whatever, who that's who got him losing it. And he was very unhappy with it. I, I, I don't know how he knew Emilio Estevez at this point. I have no idea how they got to know each other. That was unclear in the stuff that I was able to find online. But he says he just went out. To, he heard about the movie. He heard about The Outsiders. Went out to L.A. and stayed with Emilio Estevez for a bit, and like somehow got in contact with Francis Ford Coppola. And was just like, "I want to be in your movie. I'll do any part. it Doesn't have to be a big part. I just want to be part of your movie, and I want to be on set, and I want to be like, you know, watching and learning." Which I do think is a big thing that lends itself to Tom, the rest of Tom's career, at least in the in the front half, where he's like, "I'm gonna work with." the great directors basically. And that he is just, you know, you do get a sense of like in that Cameron Crowe interview, which I'm sure we'll come back to, you know, time and time again, um, he does, you know, Cameron Crowe asks him, which we've talked about before, like Cameron Crowe asks him if he wants to be a director and he says like that he maybe, maybe is thinking about it for the future for, you know, the future for himself and there almost is a sense that yeah he wants to work with great directors as an actor and stuff but there is a little bit of a sense that like maybe he is building a building something for himself to to like learn from these directors and beca- potentially become a director and i think we the closest we're going to maybe get to that is what we see of him now where he is like producer. in close colla- yeah. close collaboration with his directors as a producer and you know he may not be the actual director but he's he is almost on the same level as the director in these in these most recent movies like that he has where he's like okay I'm a I'm an you know maybe just if well he's probably actually he's probably higher than the director honestly he's probably the main creative force in in basically every movie since 2015 yeah or something right you know what i mean I mean it's
0: like a producer hires a writer Right, it's like, hey, here's a story. Write this, and they just it right. with the director. He's like, hey, here's, you know,
1: ex- this is true. And, you this know, is true. And
0: those uh, the Q movies specifically are, are the ones I'm thinking of. I'll obviously, Talk about Maverick, well, top, is, Maverick yeah.
1: too, and and I mean, I was thinking about which we, you know, we won't get to. We haven't gotten to, obviously, but like, you know, he made American Made with Doug Lyman and Doug Lyman obviously made Live. Edge of Tomorrow, Lived I Repeat, whatever we want to call it. Um, and and McHugh was a writer on Edge of Tomorrow, right? Like he wrote – co-wrote the screenplay for that. And so all those guys have become, I think, kind of his guys that he can, knows that he can call on. Like he's got Doug Liman. A little bit like they, they can make
0: a solid film and, and answer to him.
1: Right. You know? I mean, he's like a one-man studio but for in long, that but, in that in that way. I mean, like he's got the, s- like the he's got the guys. It's like in the olden days, you know, when the the directors and the writers and stuff would be like on yeah work for a specific studio. I, I think Tom Cruise is the studio in in that way. Well, this right? is the
0: first of a long run of like working with the greatest directors of the twenty twentieth century.
1: Yeah, twentieth into twenty first, I suppose. But yeah, at the time twentieth.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean. He starts here with Frankie Ford Coppola, and then he goes to terror that like doesn't stop until uh, I think War of the Worlds, right? Isn't that what we said every day.
1: Yeah, after yes, we were talking about that the other day. After War of the Worlds is when he's working with, you know, I mean, good good directors, obviously great directors. For the next twenty three years, like,
0: he's going to work with Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, Scorsese, Scorsese, Oliver Stone, who I don't care for, but people like him.
1: You're gonna you're gonna eat your words when we watch Born on the Fourth of July. Sidney
0: Pollack, uh, Brian De Palma, John Wu, fucking
1: Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah, Jesus. P. T. Yeah. Anderson. Yeah.
0: Spielberg and Michael Mann.
1: Oh yeah. Exactly right.
0: And it's like those are that's fucking incredible. Like honestly, I I'd, I'd say his list of directors is better than probably any other ninety
1: nine percent better than DiCaprio, actors, I
0: bet. Caprio mostly Probably. Spielberg and Scorsese. Well, the Scott and James Cameron.
1: Yeah, James Cameron, Spielberg, Scorsese. Honestly, I mean, it's if, it's if, if
0: if Tom had Tom had me in his, in his corner, which he does. If Tom had you in his corner, which he does. He does have you in his corner, yeah. but
1: yeah, yeah, and he has me in his corner
0: too. Think, I'm actually, think,
1: more, I'm actually kind of front front in the corner. I'm actually first first. So he's,
0: he, he's on the stool in the in the ring. And you're like the guy giving him a water bottle. I'm like giving him a massage.
1: No, no, no. I'm sort of saying, "Hey, you got to get back out there." I'm tell I'm coaching him. I'm actually telling him. I'm giving
0: him a massage. I'm. I'm not- so you're in his. you in his face, talking to him. He's. He can't listen to you. I'm in the left side of his face. I'm in his ear.
1: No, 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 no. I'm. 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 uh uh, uh He's taking my advice. He's. Listening to me. He, you're just giving him a massage. All he knows all he knows of you, he just knows you as hands. He, I got a face. No, I'm whispering this he here.
0: Actually, you know what? I'm the lady in the bikini carrying a sign that says round twelve. He's looking at me because he can't listen to you anymore. He's tired of you because you're actually not giving him good advice. He's losing the match. Anyway.
1: Let me get another beer. Yeah. Because I need a I need a I need to pep up, dude. I need that one more beer to get me pepped up. Yeah, one more beer. One more beer should do it. Okay, Parker's gone. Parker's gone. Um, I don't know if I feel really great about this episode, but um, anywho, I don't know. Parker's not here, so he's about to put his headphones on top. <laughs> <laughs> These
0: boys, Cherry Valance's girlfriend, come, his, her boyfriend, Leif Garrett, comes up and starts like giving the greaser shit, Soda Pop and uh, Johnny Cade. And Johnny Cave recognizes this guy as the boy with the rings who gave him the scar on his face. And he kind of like shuts down. And then fucking Two-Bit Matthews uh, shows up with a fucking butterfly knife, smashes a beer bottle on a fence, gives it to fucking uh, Pony Boy. They're ready to the
1: rumble. Yeah. That part's cool. When he smashes, when that, that whole quick like, quick, like, he's just like immediately ready to rumble yeah. when he smashes the beer bottle. Have you ever smashed bottle? a
0: beer bottle like that?
1: Yeah. Are you really? For fighting? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. When? Ah, just any old bar. Any old bar that I can (laughs) find. No, really? Um, No, probably not. But
0: when I was living in Alabama, we used to like. I've often thought about it. Junior of high school, we used to collect our beer bottles and then go to like empty lots and just smash them for like fun. Mm. Just like.
1: Well, my house, senior year of college, we had our front porch and we had um, – we, w- we could like – we would – this is so awful. We would smash our beers on the side of our porch and it would just shattered into our like little garden in front of – it was not a garden. It was just like a bunch of weeds and stuff. And then when we moved out, the guy, like the landlord or whatever was like, you guys got you guys got to clean that up. <laughs> Did you? So, so like our last day – yeah, the last day that we were there – Train I just Tray I just fucking picked up a bunch of glass that had been accumulating for you know nine months or whatever you know more than nine uh, months basically just sm- like a year just like oh, finish
0: a beer so you do like <laughs> you're like as a senior at college you do like four or five a night you're
1: like well I gotta smash it again yeah there's just like thousands of broken bottles of beer and probably like you know like a, a bottle of whiskey or a few bottle you know just shit like that it was pretty funny. I mean, just shows the real, like, just disregard for any and all human decency.
0: I think Swayze's, you know, hunk of the flick. He's one of the, Swayze's one of the all-time hunks. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, he's a big he's a, he's, I,
0: I'd say he's a hunk and a
1: half. Matt Dillon a hunk, too. I mean, he was a hunk at the time, and that's the crazy thing. we oh, are all hunks. They're always- all putting
0: their shirts on and taking their shirts off.
1: Yeah, that's honk behavior. Honks are always taking
0: their shirts off
1: and putting, and them, putting them back on.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. i listening to this podcast and like these two gay guys talking about Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Oh, boy. This is a tough one to talk about. He's just not in it that yeah, much. I, was, I mean... He's not in it that much. And he's not in it that much. And I honestly... Neither of us totally love the movie that much, I suppose. So, it was not much for us to, like, go from. But, okay. So, here's what I will talk about. Here's what you reminded me of that I realized was such a big part of the movie that is, I think, like, there is this... Which I think is in a lot of movies about boys. masculinity about and about boys and about whatever. You know, him and Johnny are... In love, right? I mean, when they go and when they're hanging out at that park after they they're sitting under the stars, like really close to each other, yeah. like, leaning on each other, and they are like, you know, they talk about we're different, whatever. And then it's like they get to, they run away, they run away with each other, and one bleaches their hair blonde, and like they one goes to the grocery store and picks up they food for a the other like nuclear kind of thing. They, yeah, they perform this sort of like yeah, like not necessarily nuclear film because there's no kids. I mean, I mean. Patrick Swayze and Soda Pop and and Ponyboy they have their own little nuclear family as brothers where one takes on the role of the father one Yeah. Day. yeah That's yeah. it. But like but yeah but but yes with with uh Ma- Ralph Macchio, Ralph Macchio and C. Thomas Howell they do they create this domestic little partnership, right, with each other and then like and then I mean I you can almost say I suppose I guess the Matt Dillon character is like not really a son because he's kind of taking care of them, but he is like this like third party that they're both. It Doesn't quite
0: fit the metaphor, but
1: yeah. yeah, it doesn't quite fit. But whatever. Between the between between the two of them, between the two of them, they do. They are like they're reading with each other. They're playing cards. They're they're going. You know, they're cut, do, cutting each other's hair. I mean, it's just like this yeah. very. It's just it is it is this romantic thing. And then like you know they're they're the sensitive young boys that aren't seen. They're like, oh, you guys aren't grease. You guys aren't greasers. Yeah. Like, at, like you know the you know cherry valance. And in is order like, to perform this,
0: he must cut off his greasy hair and dye it blonde. He must give right, up. Exactly. His, he get his hard he exterior.
1: A, comes comes a beautiful little blonde, beautiful pretty blonde. Yeah.
0: They remind, you know they reminded me of. Uh huh. When you and I went and did the sideways in Fredericksburg and we were camping. Uh huh. And you cut my hair.
1: I cut your hair. No. No. <laughs> but I was, thinking like, that, I, I was thinking I remember doing that, that. we should go we did we, should go we did to, cool shit dude we shot a bow and arrow we shot a crossbow that's true that was cool we should
0: go to uh, Coppola's
1: winery oh I would we should do a new sideways to. and go to Coppola's winery and
0: just keep like I just want to just do just hang out there for like days at a time to get messed up <laughs> 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 fucking refuse to leave
1: <laughs> I do want to just do a sideways I want to do a real sideways and go to that go to that place.
0: Oh yeah, so they go up they go up and they like live as little like beautiful kind of boy friendship thing.
1: It's not friendship. They're gay for each other. I think that's the subtext. There's a homoerotic subtext to the whole thing, in my opinion, that I think they're they're outsiders. I mean that's the I'm thing. I'm forcing a subtext on. No, it's not. They're outsiders from even their outsiderdom already as Greasers. That's the that's I think that the title takes on a a second level. I see.
0: I see. I see.
1: And the, and then there's part of that stay golden. That's like there's a there's something you know that they need to hold on to, which is that love for each other. But it's also just this innocent purity. But I think, but I think there's an innocent purity to their love that does it that gets can get corrupted as they get older, right? You know what I mean? That can get turned into something else and 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 perverted. Right. Uh, right. I don't know. I just think that's one of the more interesting aspects of the whole thing. I just think the movie is super... The movie's pretty homoerotic. I mean, like what we're talking about, is all these pretty boys walking around, taking their shirts off, putting their shirts back on.
0: Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the points... Um, Eating
1: chocolate cake, dude. That's exactly like just someone's shitting in their mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, there's one point where, before they go up north, after they kill the guy... Ralph Macchio is like, I just want to kill myself. And the Ponyboy goes, come on, man. Don't kill yourself.
1: That's a really nice moment. I do think Ralph Macchio – Actually, one of my favorite performances is Ralph Macchio. I really like Ralph Macchio in this. And I like – And Ralph Macchio has such a – I always love the karate kid. And I think Ralph Macchio, that young Ralph Macchio, has a really, like, vulnerable voice. Like, he's got a great voice. Like, when he, yeah. when he gets emotional, there's, like, a crack in it that's just really, really – just nice i mean it's just like good it's just good like every time and you need that because otherwise the movie doesn't break your heart at all like when he dies unless you have him you know just be like oh uh, yeah
0: him in the hospital is hard to watch i know it's brutal uh but it just reminded me of like how often you and i are like yeah i'm gonna kill myself mm. and uh wondering if we
1: will ever like we'll ever nut up and just actually do it no <laughs> In the
0: sixties, I think people could just say that, and it was like, "Whoa, this guy said what?" But, but I think nowadays, you know, people talk about killing themselves all the time. Yeah,
1: too much. Shut up.
0: Do people should shut up.
1: Yeah. People would I'd say people who want about to kill, kill themselves, themselves. Shut way up. Way too
0: much. People say they want to kill themselves. I say shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get over yourself. <laughs> Come on. But like once an episode, you and I are like, yeah. We I'm all gonna-
1: we all want to do that. Get in line. Exactly right, dude. There is a line. Because there's only so many spots in heaven allowed for seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: zero? It is zero, actually?
1: Not my God. My God allows for 60 spots. <laughs> I'm going to be one of them. We can go through all the people in history. We can go through all the people in history who've killed themselves, and I'll tell you who's in heaven and who's not. Hitler. Not in heaven. Oh,
0: good. We're we're still being PC.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh God, I don't know what I don't know, dude. We're gonna get in trouble. I don't know. Um, Who else? Who else? Sixty thousand, by the way, is what I meant. Who else has killed themselves? Coco Bain. Not allowed. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) In hell. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why it's even remotely funny because um, <laughs> then it's kind of like well wait who is allowed like if he's not allowed what, who the heck who the freak could freaking get in you know
0: well gonna be like noble suicides
1: right yeah basically every samurai
0: you're, you're <laughs> heaven is just saying, you. <laughs> and you go up there, and they're all like, You killed yourself too. they are like, Yeah. And they're like, Why? And, they're like, and you go, Oh, I was unemployed. And I just, my podcast wasn't doing know, good numbers.
1: Things are bad. Things will go bad.
0: Oh, um, I loved, I really, uh, I loved, and also I thought it was like just honestly bad. Um, he's having the uh, Ponyboy's having the dream with his parents and it's like super just dissolvey, and you know image on image and, and then he oh, yeah. cuts the hard cut to the train wreck his parents were in a car that was hit by a train let me tell you, let me tell you something um, only dipshits are hit by a train in a car
1: Uh, yeah unless something went wrong I disagree what's going on wrong? I think maybe there's is some kind of a traffic stoppage.
0: Don't stop on a train. I, Dude, don't stop on. Tra- Listeners, Tom, do not stop on train tracks. If you're at a stoplight and there's train tracks, you stop before it or after it. You don't stop on the ever. <sighs> yeah,
1: yeah. This episode's tough. I don't think we should keep calling attention to it, but I'm worried about it. This movie bored me to fucking
0: tears it's full of hot guys. What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, that was The Outsiders. Thank you for listening. And thank you to my co-host, Stephen Kuhn, who is not here to record the outro like he usually does. He is actually at Disney World. He's been at Disney World for pa- the past three days. He did see P.T. Anderson and Maya Rudolph uh, walking through the parks. So that was probably the highlight of his whole life. And now he is a Disney adult. Thank you to our producer, Sam Robinson, and uh, thank you to Trevor Dowdy for our theme music. Follow us on all of our socials at We Made It For Tom. Uh, check out our website at We Made It For Tom.com. Uh, tune in next week. We're talking about risky business. You don't want to miss that one. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye.